Wow, so many people have popped in. So I am Stepmom Lauren. For all of you who know who I am, thank you so much for caring. For anyone else who does not know who I am, I am a fantasy football writer for the Fantasy Footballers, Fantasy Pros, and Roto World. You guys can find all of my work on my website. I am a few days behind updating that, but my work is on my website, stepmomlauren.com, and I'm mostly responsive on Twitter, Stepmom Lauren, but I am also on Facebook and on Instagram, so come hit me up. Ask me your questions, and if I happen to miss any of your questions here or we run out of time, please feel free to find me. Follow me. Ask me your questions. I love helping out on fantasy football. I mean, even if I lose, which I am in several leagues because this year has been super weird, um, even if I lose, if I help you guys win, that makes me feel absolutely awesome. So before uh, I just start rambling any more than I already have, let me go ahead and get to your questions. And y'all, when I copied and pasted this into a Google Doc in order for me to really dive into these questions, I did cut off some of your names. So if I, for some reason, do not say your name out and it is your question, I do deeply apologize. But I know if I try to scroll up and down in the chat, I'm going to get so lost. So I'm just going to go off my notes here, guys. But I want to say, first of all, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've done, I sound so like, arrogant right now, but it's not the point of what I'm saying. I've done a lot of these and I have to say these are by far the best questions I think I've ever gotten. So kudos to you guys. It was super fun diving into these. And yeah, without further ado, uh, let's go. I believe this first one is for from our very own, our Space Ghost Force. This is a, a question I get a lot and it's about Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And let the exact question here is Melvin Gordon ran the ball eight times for just 3.3 yards per carry plus six receptions at three and a half yards per catch. Philip Lindsay again outshined him with 83 yards and six carries and a touchdown. How am I appro approaching this backfield mess? Um, I approach this backfield mess by trying to not have any pieces of it. Unfortunately, I am a diehard Philip Lindsay fan. So I kind of knew this was going to happen going into this season as soon as Melvin Gordon was signed. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, no, another committee backfield. What are we going to do? But I am fading Gordon, and my heart is set on Lindsay. And speaking of heart, there is no other player, I think, in the league that plays like Philip Lindsay. So I am never going to doubt him again. I'm at, like I said, I ideally would not want to deal with it. But if you guys do have pieces and you are before your trade deadline – if Melvin Gordon has a really good game, look to trade him away if you can. If you have Philip Lindsay, same goes for Lindsay. But if for some reason you can't really get a trade deal done, uh, I think Lindsay is an okay start just as long as he's healthy. And then is Fournette the lead back in Tampa Bay now? Oh, so sad. Or will Fournette and Ronald Jones be splitting carries? How do I see this backfield playing out? So again, this is another situation in 2020 with all these weird backfields, but this feels like a deja vu of 2019 all over again, right? I was writing an article about this and I happened to Google the one Bruce Arians quote when he said, Rojo is our guy. And I started reading this article and I was like, oh, and then something didn't make sense in it. So then I looked at the date. It was from last year. And it literally was like he was saying the exact same thing in 2020 as he was saying in 2019. Well, if we, you know, go back in time here, uh, you know, let's pull Marty McFly. Um, it, he actually said this exact same thing, I think it was right after Ronald Jones fumbled. And then he was benched for Peyton Barber. So, I, I mean, as much as they're like, oh, Rojo's our guy, blah, blah, blah. No, this is now Leonard Fournette's game. However... It's not like they have a plethora, or, or I'm sorry, a dearth of pass catchers in, in Tampa Bay now. I mean, they have Antonio Brown. Oh my God, they have Antonio Brown because they, you know, they apparently have no wide receivers. So why not pick up AB? Am I right? But they also have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have Cameron Brate. They have Rob Gronkowski. So how much are they really going to be relying on the run game here? I'm really not quite sure. So I really kind of see Tampa Bay playing out, A, in the Super Bowl, and B, there's going to be a lot of passing. But if there is one back that I would roster among those two, it's going to be Leonard Fournette, although temper your expectations for him moving forward just because of the nature of this team right now. So Lava Lord, first of all, Thank you so much for having so many excellent questions. Um, I noticed that you have just a, a ton, and it was so great to see you asking these wonderful questions, and I love people getting so involved in this. So kudos to you. I loved all of your questions, but let's start off with your first one here. If the season ended tomorrow, whose face would I expect to see on the cover of the next Madden game? The first name that popped into my head was Derrick Henry, only because that is top of mind awareness at the moment, but 
In all reality, it's going to be Alvin Kamara. He leads both Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry by 30 points or more in PPR scoring, uh, scoring Excuse me, so far. He's a beast in the run game. He is amazing in the passing game and has been uber productive, especially with Michael Thomas out. Um, Mike Davis is, shockingly enough, Mike Davis is the closest in terms of receiving yards with 244. Kamara has 556 yards in the passing game and three receiving touchdowns. So in my opinion, the next cover of Madden should be Alvin Kamara without a question. And then TP Hoarders, love that name because I totally feel you've been there, done that. What's the situation with D-Day, D-Day, if I can speak words, I've only had like two cocktails today, so no, I'm not hammered, I promise. DJ Dallas at the moment, that is one of the many running backs in Seattle. Um, Okay, so this is a a funny situation. I think Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are both ruled out, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not worried about Travis Homer. I know that was part of your question as well. I'm not worried about uh, Travis Homer here. Uh, he may eat in a little bit to DJ Dallas, but I don't think it's going to be that much. And if if Car- if uh, Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson are out, you can start DJ Dallas and feel good about it. That's exactly what I would do. And then I cannot say this name, but I will try. Uh, Chipolopolo. I don't know if that's right. Maybe it is. Who knows? How do I project teams easing back and leading RBs as they return later in the season, given how many teams have seemingly lost their starters for multiple weeks? Am I right? 2020. Do I expect teams to rely more on their handcuffs? Um, Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen that going forward, but this is really all going to depend on the team. So I know that sucks because it's like, maybe it's like the worst answer ever. Um, But I believe it's probably just going to take about a week to get back to their regular workload. A lot of teams have been extremely cautious bringing back players. I mean, I don't even think they wanted Aaron Jones to play last night, but they did. He got a ton of carries early. I do know that he was splitting work with Irvin, uh, Tyler Irvin, and uh, but that's okay. But I don't think that's going to continue. So right now, as soon as a, a stud running back comes back onto the field, I expect about a 50-50, if not a 60-40 workload. And then after that, we're going to go back to the 80-20, 90-10, 95-5, which I think is also true for run CMC, which I'm very excited about. The only one that may be a little bit trickier is going to be the 49ers backfield, only because of Kyle Shanahan and the way that he does his Shanahanigans, which he is known for. But There is another question later. I'll talk about this a little bit more. Um, You can start Raheem Mostert. I'm not worried about that one either. So doctor who is not a doctor. uh, What is my favorite game day food? And I love this question. So his is, uh, I hope it's a he, could be a she. Mine is Nashville hot chicken with mild chili, which sounds like actually quite delicious. So mine right now, I'm like harnessing my inner five-year-old because I actually write the what they call the Sunday headlines for Roto World. And for anyone who is not familiar with what that means, it's called the the fantasy blog. So it's a written version basically of the red zone. So I watch all of the one o'clock Eastern games, all the four o'clock games, and I type out every scoring play, whether it's field goals, touchdowns, interceptions pick sixes, big plays, I type them all out and I update them throughout the day. So that doesn't really lend itself to eating well on a Sunday. So right now I am literally like a five-year-old and I eat beef and cheese taquitos dipped in salsa con queso and like maybe some chips. That is what my game day go-to like food has been. Last year when I did not have uh, this gig, with Roto World, it was, this was bound to happen. Way too many soft tissue injuries. I mean, I know that this be expected. This is not going to change the way if this pandemic happens to continue. 
you into next next year, which maybe I might is I draft, which I normally don't do. Um, I and I did draft a lot of backups as on you know different wide receivers late in the draft that may have a shot. I did find myself doing that more so this year, which has helped a lot. So next year. Hopefully this won't be an issue. Then, so hopefully that changes. So, Moncal at yesterday at ten eleven a.m. Sorry, it like all ran together, so that just looked like your name, but it wasn't. You just happened to write this yesterday. Do you think it's worthwhile to go after the deep roster play? So, for example, a, a good one here is going to be DJ Dallas, which was a great pickup. Jermichael. Hasty seemed like it was a good. Um, I never would have, a million years would have picked up Richie James. Have like a better game than Devonte Adams of all people. So if you feel like like you want to roll the dice and get among. Antonio Brown, he will, he's Antonio Brown. It, it's not like he can't do that. He absolutely, no feelings about his behavior aside, um, this is such a solid move for the Buccaneers and they're most likely going to the Super Bowl, uh, which is just, of course, because it's Tom Brady, why not? But yeah, he does hover around that wide receiver one reason. Um, this First week with him being back, uh, Tom Brady is going to be looking for him. So I think Godwin is going to do better with Antonio Brown on the field. And the one that I think is going to suffer the most is asked about. So with those questions, when they come in, I'll go ahead and repeat them. I have no. Okay, so CERN. Are there any players in the Miami Bay from the Miami backfield as I possibly can? If I have to and Brita is playing, then I will only start Brita. And unfortunately, I'm not 100% sure that Gaskin is going to become the guy again when he returns. So we'll just have to keep our eye on that situation. But I, if you can, try to avoid Miami. It's just too much of a hot mess. Um, and we'll see. I mean, things could change as Tua gets more comfortable at, at Tua Tungavoyola at quarterback position. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't love it. If you can't avoid it, stay away from it. So, um, Space Ghost Force, hello friend, with Joe Mixon out, Giovanni Bernard has turned 36 touches into 174 total yards and three touchdowns in the last two games. Do I believe that Gio gets relegated back to his usual role once Mixon returns? Unfortunately, yes, this is not the first time this has happened and it is going to happen again. This is Giovanni Bernard's MO. So in 2017, when Mixon was drafted, he had 125, I'm sorry, 105 rush attempts. This is Bernard for 458 yards and only scored two touchdowns. Um, but 2018, it's been around the 50 mark of rushing. That's been his average. So this is still Mixon's backfield for some odd reason. The best way to avoid having to deal with this is draft Giovanni Bernard and do not draft Mixon. He's a pain in the butt for fantasy managers. You don't need to worry about him if he's not on your team. So avoid Joe Mixon moving forward and you will also avoid the stress that comes along with having to start him if he's healthy. So Juju all day, uh, Juju all the way, excuse me, Juju all the way. I love that name because I agree. Will Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both be good starts for the rest of the season? Keenan Allen, yes, I think he is an auto start. Mike Williams is a little trickier. He is going to be your high ceiling play. He could give you, I don't know, maybe like two catches for like 24 yards, or he could get you two catches, 24 yards, and two touchdowns. So he's a big boomer bust play. He's going to be matchup dependent, and he's a high ceiling guy who could either be boom or bust. But I do like having both. On your team, I mean, preferably not on the same team, but if you have Keenan Allen, feel free to start him. If you have Mike Williams, 
check the matchup and see if it's good. If you have a pivot, maybe go in that direction. And if you don't and you start Mike Williams, just understand there is a chance that he is not going to produce. However, it is Justin Herbert and it is Mike Williams. So I like both of them. So next question here is Devontae Adams and Dalvin Cook guaranteed a touchdown every week. And I'm sorry if I deleted the name on this, but uh, yeah, I would be shocked if they weren't. It would only be because either poor offensive scheming or really good defense. But yeah, those two. Dalvin Cook, maybe not every single game, but Devontae Adams, yeah, for sure. And then which backfields do we think we should avoid for the rest of the season? I mean, Miami that we just talked about. And then it's still the same two teams that are driving me bonkers when it comes to their running backs. It's the Ravens and the Rams. I know a lot of people are super excited about J.K. Dobbins and his increased usage with Mark Ingram Hurt. That's with Mark Ingram Hurt. So we don't really know what's going on there. So if you want to take the risk and put J.K. Dobbins in your lineup, by all means, that is going to be your choice. For me, I'd rather pivot away. So the three teams I'm trying to avoid, if I can, are Miami, the Ravens, Miami Dolphins, I should say, Baltimore Ravens, and the L.A. Rams. And then, uh, oh, man, I hope I can get this right. Barry McCokin III? I don't know what that means. It's three RR, so whatever. Here's your Here's your question, which I do like. Do you think DeAndre Swift can become a league winner in fantasy playoffs? Absolutely. I was on another podcast where we actually talked about this, and he is my rest-of-season league winner. He has gotten so comfortable with that Lions offense. Um, I, I, I think it doesn't matter who's going to be the quarterback. It should be Matt Stafford. So if anyone has any questions about Stafford, it's it's looking like he might play. So he went on the COVID reserve list, not because he tested positive, but because he was in close contact with a non-player of the Lions who did test positive. So they're being uber careful right now when it comes to these COVID protocols. I mean, look what happened to the Raiders. So he was on the COVID reserve from a close contact with someone who tested positive. As long as he has five negative COVID tests in a row, he should be able to play. Now he is like, I think in isolation or something. So he hasn't really been practicing, but it's messed effort. So I, I don't mind that at all. So back to DeAndre Swift. Absolutely. Um, he was, he's a rookie. So, you know, he may struggle at times. It took him a little while to really get going, but he's he's been explosive when he's been out on the field. He still is a little bit matchup dependent, though. So if you do have a better option, it's not like he's a must start. He's a solid flex play. And if you do have the room or if you are desperate, then he's going to be your RB2. But he can definitely be a league winner. And I love DeAndre Swift. So let's see. Burn zone. Antonio Brown and Tom Brady currently shower under the same roof. I know. Am I right? They are roomsies. They are besties. For whatever whatever reason, they are. They're besties. Um, It goes very deep. I don't even understand. Do you think that he winds up being the number one guy in Tampa Bray? Uh, Bay. Did I say Bray? I meant to say Bay. Uh, Pretty darn close there, burn zone. Yeah. And so not only are they showering under the same roof, uh, Tom Brady is lending him clothing. Um, I mean, it's a very odd situation. Uh, Tom Brady even got him uh, connected with like the world's best self-help coach. And he's like trying to better himself from with not only just because he's Antonio Brown and he is amazing at football. He is going to be look. He's going to be looking for Antonio Brown. There's not even a question about that. So um, if you have him, I I wouldn't start him this week. I would kind of see what happens there. If you have to start him, he's not a horrible pivot if that makes sense. But yeah, he uh, Tom Brady is going to be looking for Antonio Brown if he's on the field. That's just how it is. Okay, so Russ, this is great. <laughs> Russ, DK, best deck. I love that. So is DK Metcalf the greatest in the league right now? That is 6'4", 230 pounds with a 4.340 yard dash. Yes. Next question. CERN, what is the outlook for Isaiah Ford in New England? Does he plug in as a younger, more athletic Edelman? Eh, maybe. I'll need to see that. Not 100% sold. In fact, um, not even just the New England is one of those teams. I'm I'm not avoiding the backfield. Well, I am. I'm avoiding James White, but I am all in on Damian Harris. But I'm staying away from pretty much everyone else except for Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers. So that is a really like sad situation in New England. But possibly Isaiah Ford, it may be possible. And Edelman's lost a step this year. That's for sure. But we'll see. The guys I'm keeping my eye on there, like I said, Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers. And then Diffuse Eckler is slotted for a week 11, week 12 
comeback. I know, yay, everyone put him with a slinger like Justin Herbert affect his outlook positively. And do I see him being slid into the slot position more often? First of all, he had better be because that is what makes Eckler so fantasy relevant and football and productive is when he is a pass catcher. They were trying to use him as a line from scrimmage back, which is not his forte. He's even said he's like a Swiss army guy. You know, he doesn't, he's not found line from scrimmage back. Who's going to be like Frank Gore. They were just using him completely wrong. So I, I hope he does slide into this lot for him to come back because he's really, really good at football. So yeah, he should be in the passing game. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be very sad. And then diffuse. Yes. Still again, here we have a Moss question. Oh, I love is Moss becoming the new favorite in Buffalo? A uh, quick answer there is yes. And can we predict the increase of usage or can we still expect a balanced target share throughout the rest of the season between Singletary and the answer is yes, Moss is becoming the favorite. But Devin Singletary is like allergic to the end zone. So Moss is going to be the one I would rather roster between the two of them. Even if Devin Singletary gets the work in between the 20s, it's going to be Moss that finds the end zone. So they may function as a very serious with a near 50-50 split, but I think the one that's going to be more productive for you is going to be Moss. I know it's a little bit early, but so far Devin Singletary has not been impressive for fantasy. So, I And then with the return of Michael Thomas, can we still anticipate the same grand usage he's used to? Um, We'd better. Or does the limitation of his ankle sprain crucify his production similar to Alvin Kamara in the previous season? First of all, excellent use of crucify. I need to start using that more in my articles. And uh, for me here, uh, it may take him like a week to get back to where he was in, in 2019. I mean, hopefully it it doesn't, and he just like pops right in. Then he played Tampa Bay. He wasn't really that great. And then that's the last time he played was Tampa Bay in week one. So I think it's going to be a disappointing season for Michael Thomas um, from where we drafted him personally. I have him in several leagues. I drowned because I was at the back half um, in my leagues and all the stud RBs were gone. So I think it may take more than one week. It, maybe he'll show signs of it. I don't really know. I'm just hoping that there's not something more going on with him internally besides just his ankle and then his hamstring. I hope it's not some kind of a, a weird thing where he now suddenly hates New Orleans. I don't know. Let's, let's hope that's not the case and I'm just being overly dramatic here. But I think, yes, he will be good rest of season. Just maybe give him a week or two. And also barring injury, of course. But it's just a matter of time. He is Michael Thomas, kind of like Antonio Brown. He's just too good. And then let's see. With Antonio Brown, another A-B question. With Antonio Brown coming into the line this week against the Saints, do I see A-B taking away targets from Miller? So that's going to be Scotty Miller, Mike Evans, or Chris Godwin, et cetera. Rob Gronkowski, all of them. Um, yes, not many. The Okay, so back in... I think it was, God, was it 2018? I feel like it was forever ago. But the last time Antonio Brown played with Tom Brady, he played one game. He had eight targets, I think four receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. So that just goes to show you someone is going to be losing some targets, and I don't think it's Chris Godwin. For me, I'm a, I'm more worried about Mike Evans here. Um, Antonio Brown's yards per reception was right around 14-15 in that game, and I think he's going to be that downfield stretcher kind of like Mike Evans is now. So once Chris Godwin can get back into the, into the slot, I think Scotty Miller's days are, of fantasy relevance are going to kind of take a few steps down, and uh, I think it's Mike Evans that's going to hurt the most from Antonio Brown getting into that Buccaneers lineup. I hope I'm wrong, though. I hope everyone does really well because that would be friggin' awesome. Okay, Space Ghost 4 says, or asks, I should say, James White is averaging seven touches per game. I know, super sad. After averaging 9.3 touches per game in 2019 and 11.3 in 2018. I know. And I think during that year, he had 123 targets and 90 receptions, or 91 or something. How sad. White has five total touches in the last two games. That's like hard for me to say out loud. Are we writing him off or hoping for a return to relevancy? I am so sad to say this, but as long as Cam Newton is the quarterback, there will be no James White. Um, I am scared to drop him, especially in dynasty formats. I think he still may have a few years left in him. We'll see what happens with new England, but that backfield is going to be Damian Harris for me and uh, poor James white, because he's such a talented player, but I personally am fading him. Uh, I don't feel confident starting him. He may have one of those weird Patriot running backs games where it's like, Oh, Jonas gray scores three touchdowns. And you know, it might be a James white game, but good luck trying to predict when that's at. So yeah, unfortunately I'm, I'm staying away from James white. It's just too much of too much of a heartbreak. 
So then he goes on to ask too, which I love. Thank you so much, first of all, for reading my article. But in it, I wrote, as long as Rodgers can score with his pass catchers and their defense can hold off the 49ers run game, Green Bay should pull out a win. However, it's TNF and weird things happen on Thursday night football. They always weird. It's it, without fail. So he says that you called it, but did any particular, quote, weird things pop out to me about this game? Yes. First of all, again, thank you for reading it. But Mark, why? Marquez Valdez-Gantling and Mercedes Lewis. I mean, Devontae Adams, I get you score a touchdown. You're Devontae Adams. But Mercedes Lewis, everybody started. Well, not everybody. But if you had him, you probably started Robert Tunyon. And it was Mercedes Lewis that got in. And then... MVS had two receptions, and those two receptions were touchdowns. After he dropped a big pass, and Aaron Rodgers gave him this nasty, dirty look. So before everyone starts running to the waiver wire to go pick up Marquez Valdez-Gantling, don't forget that. He has not been fantasy relevant since week one. Alan Lazard actually could have played this week, but they held him out. So he's going to be back in week 10. So MVS will then be a long-shot wide receiver three at best. Stay away from him. That was the weird thing that happened. And I, unfortunately, did not predict that. Otherwise, I probably would have won mega money in Daily Fantasy, but I didn't. All right. So, Dinglehammer, that is pretty funny. And I did say that out loud, and I am giggling. That's hilarious. With all the injuries with the 49ers, do you think Raheem Mostert will be fantasy relevant when he comes back? Absolutely. It's Raheem Mostert. It's hard for him not to be fantasy relevant. Uh, he's going to be in tandem with Jarek McKinnon, so don't be surprised about that, but he's explosive. So yes, I, if I have Mostert, I'm hanging on to him, and I am starting him when he's healthy. Lava Lord, hello, my friend. Another question. Uh, oh, it's not a question. Oh, yay. Okay, so this is not a question, but he just wants to say that it's awesome to see a successful female writer-analyst in a field that is predominantly male, and I am very thankful. I really, really appreciate that. This industry has been the most welcoming and encouraging that I have ever been a part of in my 36 years of being alive. Um, And it's just, it's one of those things that really combines everything that I love. I played sports growing up for a long time. I watched sports my whole life. I still do. I'm super competitive. And I was basically raised by two older brothers. So I love sports. I graduated from the University of Missouri with a Bachelor of Journalism. So I'm literally combining competition, sports, and writing. It's the three things that I absolutely love. So this has been a dream come true. And uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. So thank you very much. I really appreciate those kind words. And uh, here we go. Do you think the overperformance of rookie wide receivers and the underperformance of rookie running backs this season should impact how we view rookie drafts going forward, as in a shift in the offensive philosophies? Or do I think it's an anomaly and drafting the top RB prospects will be still the king in dynasty? So Oh, don't forget, 2020 is just weird. So we need to really take what happens this year with a pretty big grain of salt. And here's another way to look at it. Which position do you think has the most depth to offer in a draft? Because it's not the running back position. It's the wide receiver position. So I am still going to focus on running backs a lot earlier than I am the wide receiver position. And that's both in redraft and in dynasty. So I hope that helps. And then Epic, excellent spelling, by the way. If Chase Edmonds wins the starting job in Arizona, um, spoiler alert, he already has, what potential upside could he have that Kenyon Drake does not? And the answer is volume and touchdowns. That's it. He pretty much already is the starter. It's such a shame because I loved Kenyon Drake coming into the season. I need to take an L on that. Um, swing and a miss. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been really disappointing and especially injured. So, um, yeah, it, until Drake takes his job back, this is Chase Edmund, Edmonds' team. And it, it has been, I think, for several, several weeks. So, yeah, volume and touchdowns are going to be the answer there for you. And then can Miles Sanders be trusted or kept with his inconsistency and frequent injuries for the rest of the season? So, for anyone who has not followed me uh, previously, first of all, shame on you. I'm kidding. But I am not a huge Miles Sanders fan. And the reason I say that is because everyone was drafting him in the first, I say everyone, that's that's a gross exaggeration, but a lot of people were excited and drafted him in the first round. And this is exactly why I said not to. He is an inconsistent running back and Doug Peterson is a running back by committee coach. He has been since he's been for the Eagles. He has done it no other way. And when the Eagles only have a featured back, they lose. When they go back to the RBBC, they do well. Now, what Miles Sanders needs is to go back to a running back by committee. He needs that because that's when he's productive. With that being said, 
Yes, I think you can trust Miles Sanders. You have to temper your expectation when he's in a bad matchup, but the Eagles are getting better. Their their schedule is getting better. Their team is getting mostly healthy. I say mostly. So things are trending in the right direction for him to do well, if that helps you. Um, I can't predict injuries, so that – I mean, nobody can. So that kind of sucks. But, I mean, inconsistency with Miles Sanders is, an, is a hand-in-hand – description. So just remember that when he's on your team, he's not one of those guys that is going to be like an Alvin Kamara, you know, or a Derrick Henry. It's just, it's just not, it's, that's not Miles Sanders, unfortunately. Maybe it will be next year. Who knows? But that's, I I was worried about that this season. And unfortunately that has come to fruition. So let's see here. Let me move on. I'm trying to go as fast as I can guys. So I can get all your questions answered. And for anyone who's adding to the chat, I have not forgotten about it. I just want to make sure I answer all of the questions that were submitted earlier. So let me go back here. What is my favorite aspect of working in the fantasy football industry? How did I get started and any tips for aspiring writers? Um, Again, another question I really appreciate answering. Uh, For me, my favorite part is making connections with people throughout the industry. I have met so many wonderful people and it's through those connections. And this is my tip for aspiring writers. It's through that connection of meeting people in the industry that has gotten to me to where I am today. Fantasy football is blind. Like 99% of the people that I talk to, it doesn't matter to them that I'm a woman. And that makes it so much better because it just shows hard work and they read my stuff. They don't just think, oh, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Excuse me. So through hard work, through your connections on social media is really how you're going to propel yourself forward. Also, being good at writing helps too, but that just takes practice. Writing is very difficult. It's not as easy. If someone says it's easy, they're dead wrong. Um, or they're like, I don't know, Hemingway, they're dead. Don't know. But I got to where I am now thanks to Adam Rank from the NFL Network. And the one thing he said to me, I, I randomly got into a league with him. It was like a fan listener league. And I, I happened to answer a question, right? I got lucky. I got picked. I was in a league. This was several years ago. And now we're great friends. And when I told him my story about how I'm a writer and I love fantasy football, he really encouraged me to go out there and do the work. No, he didn't get me any jobs. Um, But he was a a really encouraging person. And through my own work and through those connections, I was able to get to the fantasy footballers and apply when they were hiring. I was able to um, get to fantasy pros and be a writer for them. And then Roto World actually approached me, which was very exciting. But that just takes hard work. So the things that I love about fantasy football, not only is it fun, it's fun, educated guessing, but you get to meet some really great people in this industry. And Remember, always be kind to the people anywhere, first of all, but especially on social media. Don't be an ass. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. If you disagree, be kind because you never know who you're talking to. So anyway, moving on. Lava Lord. What is my favorite league composition and scoring format? Okay, so this is an interesting question. Yeah, it's PPR for the most part. However, I have a home league that has really weird scoring. So our commissioner, very good friend of mine, he set it up so that it basically reflects a real football team. So our quarterbacks score an exorbitant amount of points. And literally what I mean, they can score up to 100 points. It's big games. It's like, you know, first downs. It's... All of these points. I got beat two weeks ago because someone beat me with 350 points. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's a little insane. It's very hard to prepare for in a draft, but it is so much fun. We have a defense. We have a defensive player. We have a kicker. We've got the classic three wide receivers, two running backs, quarterback. But it's it's so much fun, and it really is kind of like your your team. If you don't have a good quarterback, your team is not going to do well. So. That's kind of my favorite one, and another friend of ours actually set up his league like that now, and they're having a ton of fun with it too. So Arthur Chase said, if coming back in week 10, will Chubb have as many carries as before his injury, or will Hunt be more crucial? Well, Hunt has always been crucial, but I honestly think that it's going to be a similar story to what it was before he got hurt. So if you're hanging on to Chubb, keep hanging on to Chubb and plug him in when he's healthy. Um, and I think Hunt is still going to do well, too. This is a run-first team. Um, Kevin Stefanski is not shy about that. He wasn't shy about that in Minnesota. And he's not going to continue to suddenly be a pass-happy game. They need Chubb in the lineup. So feel good about starting Chubb when he's healthy and on the field. So it's probably going to go back to what it was in the beginning of the season. So Good Juju says or asks, what are the chances that Jordan Wilkins becomes the lead back in Indianapolis? And meh. 
It's, it's a carousel of fantasy-relevant running backs in Indy right now. So it could be Jonathan Taylor. It could be Naheem Hines. could be Jordan Wilkins. I don't see Wilkins being the lead back there. It just happened to be his game. That's it. So Jonathan Taylor has to get healthy. He was this rookie phenom coming in, and he's been highly disappointing. It just He's going to have his game. It just we don't know when. So it's one of those – this is another one I probably should have answered earlier when it comes to backfields to avoid. Indianapolis is another one. So Arthur Chase says, was Thielen's Week 8 performance scary for fantasy owners or just an off week? Um, Last week was the Dalvin Cook show, and let me tell you why. Green Bay is the worst defense against the run. So why not just give it to him and have it an explosive day? Unfortunately, it wasn't so great for Thielen. I don't think this is going to be indicative of his weekend, week out, rest of season. He does have a very challenging schedule. He plays the Bears next week, which is going to be tough. Um, but after that, he's he's kind of one of those matchup proof guys. So temper your expectations when it comes to rest of season. But I wouldn't freak out that this is now suddenly going to be a trend. It just happened that the green the Packers are so bad against the run, and Dalvin Cook is so good. So why not just use that to their advantage? Okay, Lava Lord again. I love all your questions. Is Jacoby Myers the Patriots' best wide receiver? Quick, short answer, yes for fantasy. Um, He's got nearly 64% of his targets since last year for 484 scoreless yards, and prior to last week has never had a real featured role. I know. New England is such a mess right now. I hate it. But to me, the, the wide receiver in New England that I would have on my roster as a spot start, as a pivot, in case someone gets put on COVID, or someone gets hurt, it's going to be Jacoby Myers. And I think it is just a matter of time before he finds the end zone a couple times. So Good Juju asks, when is a good time to prepare for the playoffs? Honestly, you can start now. You could have started last week. You can start now. You can start next week. It's going to depend on how many people are in your league. It's going to depend on how long your playoffs are. If you have a three-week playoff, if you have a two-week playoff, Really, it's never too early, uh, but keep your eye on players that have the possibility of being on the waiver wire, aka lesser known players that have a really good schedule for the playoffs. So it's never too early to start keeping your eye out, never too early to start setting up some trades for guys that you know have a good playoff schedule. It's never too early. So you can start doing that now. I like that. And then. And which football games am I? So this could be interesting. Hopefully the Steelers defense doesn't fall asleep. And could be like Andy Holloway from the fantasy footballers calls it the almost upset of the week. This could be a really interesting game. Cowboys get absolutely the tight end for the Broncos with my other beloved, which is um, Drew Locke from Mizzou. As I told you, I'm a Mizzou graduate. Logan Thomas. Uh, tight end for Washington. So the next question here is, who are some trade targets that could help you win your playoff matchups? Then I'm going to say Mark Andrews. He is a matter of time until he starts doing better. Mark Andrews, he's attainable. Go trade for him. And another player that you have to give up your right leg and your soul to even contemplate a trade. So David Montgomery, um, he doesn't have Tariq Cohen. He has been, his volume is incredible. And their their rest of season schedule is incredibly good. So I would take David Montgomery and I'd feel good about him starting as an RB2, maybe flex option, but one that's going to score you points and not lay a goose egg. 
And then Lava Lord, what do you make of Melvin Gordon III seeding early down touches to Philip Lindsay? Can he continue to provide a solid floor for fantasy managers? Solid floor, sure, but that's about all he's got. He doesn't really have that ceiling I think that Philip Lindsay can have. Um, I'm not surprised. Philip Lindsay is just He's a Denver darling. He's got too much going for him. He is an undrafted free agent that just wants to prove everything like he did last year. He outed a third-round draft pick in Royce Freeman, for crying out loud. So, yeah, it stinks for anyone who has Melvin Gordon, even for someone who has Philip Lindsay. But for real football, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, but I'd rather just not have to deal with it. So if either one of them have a good good game and you have one of them on your team, see if you can try to swap them out before your trade deadline. So good juju. James Robinson has some really tough matchups during the playoffs. Should we try to sell if we have a good record? Okay. He is one of those I would not want to trade. I he okay, so even though his his uh, playoff schedule may kind of stink, he's still James Robinson and he is basically going to be their offense. So on volume alone, he is a keepable piece that is not going to let you down. So he may not score you a ton of touchdowns, but he is going to get the touches and he's going to get the volume. So keep James Robinson. I would not trade him away. It is so hard to find a running back in this league right now, as we've been talking about, that does not have a running back by committee competition. So keep James Robinson. I would not trade him. So which players are most affected by Antonio Brown's arrival? I know we've mentioned this. For me, I think it's going to be Mike Evans. Hopefully none of them. And then has Mike Davis earned some snaps with Christian McCaffrey back? And will he be on the bench for the rest of the season? This week, he yeah, he's going to be on the field a little bit. I think maybe half and half, 60-40 with CMC after that. He's going to be on the field to give Christian McCaffrey a water break if he needs one. That's how I see it. Sorry, should have traded him weeks ago if you have him. All right. And then Baller, what are my thoughts on Jerry Judy rest of season? I know, right? I expected so much more for him. I think. His breakout game is coming soon. So I think he's going to really start amping up the pace, especially now that Drew Locke is comfortable, healthy, and getting in a rhythm. I think Jerry Judy is going to be uh, very promising the next couple of weeks. So hang on to him and start him if you can. And then to follow that question up about Drew Locke, with his schedule, do I think that Locke is a realistic QB2 moving into the playoffs? Sure. However, I won't start him unless it's an awesome matchup, but he is perfect for Superflex or for two QB leagues, if that helps. He's a little too volatile for me as like an everyday week-in, week-out starter, matchup-based for me. And then, have I ever experienced fantasy football burnout? This is an interesting question. Um, When it comes to playing fantasy football, yes. I'm in like 15 leagues right now, and I feel like I only care about like two of them. So the other ones, I'll set my lineup on Thursday, and then I'll kind of give it a brief once-over on Sunday. But I immediately have to work about fantasy foot writing about fantasy football. So when it comes to actually playing fantasy football, I'm in way too many leagues. So I need to really downsize. And that's really the burnout that I'm getting when it comes to work, working and writing and researching fantasy football and helping everyone. No, no, I am not. I, I love it. I, again, if I lose in all my leagues, but I help people win, that makes me feel so great. So Playing fantasy football, yeah, that doesn't get old. It's just too unpredictable. Things change every single week, so it's super fun. And then Good Juju asks, what's my favorite team and why? Well, I'm from St. Louis, and I despise the Rams because they divorced me to go back to their second wife. That's fine. So New Orleans has uh, not only is a super fun entire world, pretty much, there is a very deep connection between New Orleans and St. Louis. Like we had the St. Louis Cathedral and the Mississippi River, lots of uh, French connection history there. So I am a Saints fan. Plus, it helps that they're very good and they're black and gold like my Mizzou boys. And then let me just scroll down here. Whoop, whoop, lost my place. All right. Have I begun looking forward to playoff schedules yet? We already kind of talked about this, so I'll just skip that one. Okay. Do I think the decreased workload for Jonathan Taylor, I know, right? Where the heck is he? Is due to his ankle injury that popped up. Or the Colts just not fully believing him yet, or a little bit of both. Do you expect him? Oh, what do I expect him fantasy, fantasy, blah, 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 fantasy wise, rest of the season? Sorry about y'all. I, I can't even with my life right now. Um, I'm just that verklempt about Jonathan Taylor. Um, I honestly don't know what to expect from him. I'm sure he's going to have a couple of good games, uh, but I think this is going to be a carousel committee. But honestly, I'm not. I'm not really 100 percent sure. I am not. I'm so confused when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. I wish I had a better answer for y'all, but. I don't know, man. I would stay away from Indy if you can. But if you have to, I think he might be the back to roster out of all of them. 
but still, that's tough. That's really tough. I don't know what to expect from him, T-Money21. I love that name, by the way. 21 is my lucky number. It's also my birthday, November 21st. And Lava Lord, you're back. Hi, thank you for your questions again. All right. Now that, oh, so Brita is out. Okay, cool. Who benefits the most? Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird, or am I fading him entirely? I'm going to fade him entirely. However, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Howard snipers a couple of touchdowns. If Patrick Laird is healthy, he's going to be possibly relevant in PPR. But it, I'm staying away from that if I can. I don't even want to deal with that hot mess. All right, T-Money 21. Goddard was non-existent in his first game back. I know. Just give him a week. Um, ben Richard Rogers wouldn't have anything to do with the game either. Do I expect a big increased workload for for Goddard next week? And would I rather have Goddard or Ertz when he comes back? Honestly, I would like to have either one of them. Ertz, maybe I might lean a hair toward, but I really like both of them. Honestly, I think you'd be in a good position at your tight end if you had either Goddard or Ertz. And I think it was just easing Goddard back into the system, which is why he wasn't like super great. Don't forget, he wasn't supposed to come back until week 10. So this was a little early for him. So maybe they're just easing him into it, but I think he'll be fine. And then Lava Lord asks us, lots of Eagles questions. Is Travis Fulgham the real deal in a legitimate dynasty stash, or is he a redraft pickup capitalizing on his situation? So this is interesting. I honestly do want to keep him in Dynasty because I want to see if this continues. He has not been a flash in the pan. He has really solidified some some trust between he and Carson Wentz. So I actually do think he is the real deal. He deserves to be the real deal too. The kid is freaking awesome. So yeah, um, you can't just erase that kind of chemistry that they've created. So I, if you're in Dynasty and you have Fulgham, hang on to him. I think I think he'll be a, a solid start next year. So let's fingers crossed because you never know. The Eagles are synonymous with injuries. So hopefully, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Okay. Is Clyde Edwards Hilaire still active enough to be a crucial starter? Yes, it's okay. Don't worry about Le'Veon Bell. Start CEH. I am not worried about it. You shouldn't be either. They're literally brought on Le'Veon Bell because he's really good and to give CEH a break and manage his workload just a little bit, but you can still start him and feel okay about it. Okay. And oh, I like this one too. Could we see Space Ghost Force giving us a Christmas intro music in the near future? Um, excuse me. Why has this not happened yet? This needs to happen right now, Space Ghost Force. How dare you deprive these people of Christmas? That you're a Grinch. That's what I have to say. All right. Team League God. I like it. Hopefully you are, and you're not just saying that. With the way the Niners are using Debo Samuel and having him catch from behind the line of scrimmage, is he matchup proof? Um, Debo Samuel is really good. So, yeah, I think that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are super creative, no matter what player you And Debo Samuel is very talented. Um, another talented wide receiver on that. Either one of them, love them. And, yeah, I think he, he will be matchup proof. He's one of those guys that I won't hesitate to starting lineup, depending on who they play. Okay, guys, we have about 10 minutes left. I am going to go back to the Discord chat. And I am sure I've missed so many on here. So I'm just going to try to see if I can scroll up. Do, 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 do. Okay, sorry, guys. I'm just going to go. I'm going to start here. Okay, because Lavalor, between the loss of Dak and several offensive linemen, the Cowboys offense has looked utterly anemic. I know. Can you pick it up with Dalton's inevitable return, or should we sell while we still can? Mm. Who are you selling here? I think is I think that's what I'm asking. If, if you're in, don't sell Dak if you're in Dynasty. Absolutely not. Um, maybe watch, and if you're a Cowboys fan, drink a lot of Pepto-Bismol. All right. Let's see, Kagimi, Kagami, with Ingram being sidelined again, is it time to hop on the Dobbins hype train? Yeah, I think this might be a Dobbins uh, sort of game. Honestly, this could be Gus Edwards' game. It's like they flip-flop, so I might start Gus Edwards. I just don't know. <laughs> I, I, I despise the Ravens' backfield because they, I don't know what to do with them, and I don't like it when I don't have control. All right, Russ, DK, the best stack. Would the Seahawks be better if DK was the clear number one? No, I don't think they would. I think having this tandem of Lockett and DK make them that kind of weapon that they need to be. One of them's got to draw the defense. One of them's going to do well. Um, he may already be the clear number one back, though, or number one wide receiver, I should say. So apparently, I think you're a, a Seahawks Russ DK fan. And then Lavalord, over the past two games, Irv Smith has seen his snap share go up. 
Yet Rudolph is still annoyingly involved. How do I value him in dynasty formats? I would go, it's okay. Hang on to Irv Smith. It's on, it's, it's just kind of one of those weird things this year. So I like Irv Smith in dynasty. Hang on to him. Don't worry about having to trade him quite yet. It's, I think next year is going to be a really, really good year for him. And then CERN, is there some secret sauce to starting Jet McKinnon? good old Jarek, for minus 15 points, I know, when Mullins also starts, or is it just some super strange coincidence in the stat so far? It's 2020. I don't know what else to say. It's 2020 and it's Kyle Shanahan. You know, like, so McKinnon was, God, was it two weeks ago? They had him on a, like, a snap count. Like, they're like, we're going to manage his workload. Like, well, thanks for telling the rest of us. Like, you could have shared that with the class, but no, he didn't. I don't know what to do with them, but... As soon as Raheem Mostert is back, the hasty experiment is, has failed. So he's going to be more involved moving forward. I don't have any problem starting him. And then will Justin Jefferson be another digs? Yes. I do kind of see Justin Jefferson, which is weird because he's a slot guy too. So Thielen could, it, you know, honestly, I don't really know too much about how, I don't really follow Minnesota that well. So I don't know if I can answer your question that well at the moment. Russ DK. Hit me up on Twitter at Stepmom Lauren. Once I get a chance to look into that, I'll see if I can find out where they're lining up, what their routes look like from this year. And then maybe I'll be able to answer I'll be able to answer that. But I think both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are gonna be just fine in that offense. So Lava Lord, fantasy stats aside, which rookie running back and wide receiver has impressed me the most and the least? Oh shoot. Let's see here. Rookie running back. I don't know. They've been so disappointing. No one really – this is how sad it is. No one's really popped into my head. The The wide receiver that pops into my head is Brandon Ayuk. I, I think he's done really well. But other than that, I need to think about that one. And then doctor who's not a doctor. This year is certainly weird in terms of injuries. Absolutely. Connor and Fuller are flying. I know. Yay. Do I believe any of these two players should be sold high due to potential injury concerns? Yeah, I absolutely. If you have other positional needs on your team, I do not have a problem with selling those those guys at all. So um, I should say trading away those guys instead of selling. Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea. But don't do it at the own detriment of your team, but do it to make your team better. All right. And how do I see the Denver wide receiver core shaking out? Excellent question because KJ Handler's good. Tim Patrick's good. And Jerry Judy is very good. So how I see the wide receiving core? No offense. He's the pass catcher that I want most out of there because Drew Locke loves to target the tight end position. So out of all of them, yeah, Jerry Judy is probably going to be your ceiling play. And then we'll see what happens with Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. I don't know. That's a tough one. It's a it's a tough one, man. I, I tell you, I'm not quite sure how that one's going to turn out, but give me no fan all day long. And then Lava Lord here. Josh Jacobs has been rather up and down despite seeing massive workloads. I know, right? He's even being more involved in the passing game than his rookie year. Finally, should we be worried about his inefficiencies? Nah, nah. Give it time. I'm not. I have him. I'm starting him. He was my first overall draft pick. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, it's the Raiders. Weird things happen with the Raiders. And then, sir, is Zeke an RB that we bench until he comes back to life? Oh, I would bench him this week. Or do we just need to temper our expectations to a more low RB2 output? This is a really good question. I think it's both. If you have the opportunity to bench him because you have another play, like a streamable maybe RB option, I don't hate it. But I, I he's not droppable. I Hang on to him, and if you have to start him, you have to start him. 